Welcome to Bible Foundations. I'm Jerry Smythe, your host, and it's my delight to have you with us again as we continue our excursion through the Old Testament, laying the foundations that are necessary to understand God's revelation to mankind in the New Testament. What an exciting excursion we've had as we see God caring so lovingly with the nation that he's developed out of the land of Egypt. Yes, in the land of G Egypt were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his 12 sons. 70 who came down at the hand of Pharaoh, and now we see them multiplied 400 years later, and they are what, two and a half million people strong. Now, that's quite a multiplication. You see, that's what God was doing in that captivity. He was making himself a people through whom the rest of the world would know that he is a living God that he is a loving God, that he is indeed the mighty judge and the avenger of all evil, and that he's gracious to those who will respond to him. But my friend, he does indeed give his judgment on those who refuse to come to him. And we see that demonstrated in the lives of the Egyptians and especially the wicked Pharaoh who had put the people of Egypt of, of Israel under his bondage and were they he was afraid of them and he tried to subdue them by making them his slaves and the more pressure came on him to let those people go the anger here he got and the more he persecuted those people but God heard their cry you see they came to God God's way they recognized that he was the the unchanging one. He was the one who kept his word, that he was the almighty one, that even the elements were not subject or limited to him. You see, he couldn't change the elements as we saw him doing in the plagues that he gave to to uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And he's the all-knowing one. He knew how to do whatever needed to be done, you see, because he was demonstrating to the entire world for all generations that he is a living God and that he's the mighty creator. He's the owner of mankind and he's the owner of everything. And he demonstrates himself to us as he did to Moses and to the Israelites as being I am. I am the one without beginning and with end without end. I am the one who's not limited to your human understanding. I'm infinitely beyond that. And I've given you the record so that you can know who I am, so that you might believe who I am, and that you might be saved from the power of Satan, who is the God of this world, to whom all of us are born in allegiance to. And unless we hear the word of God, unless we hear about God, we have not even the ability to know God on our own. Even though we have demonstration through the creation of the earth, it's through that that he gives us an understanding that he is God, that he is the mighty creator. And then in the Bible, he tells us how we may know him. And that's a matter of eternal life and death. Our last time together, we saw God's last promise and plague uh, demonstrated to the Egyptians and to Israel. We'd seen him already cause three days of total darkness in the land where the Egyptians were living, but not where the Israelites were. We saw the mighty boils come upon the very bodies of the Egyptians, but not on the Israelites. We saw all... Uh, uh, 
we saw the hailstorms and the locusts come upon the Egyptians where they were living and destroy their their uh, their uh, crops and to destroy their li livelihood as the hail came along and just mowed it all down, my friend. Great damage. But that didn't happen where the Israelites were. How is it that in the middle of a land at the same time zone, one part of the country could be totally dark and the other bright daylight as normal? Well, that's what God did, you see. And he gave us the record to tell us that he's almighty and he can do it because he is God. Now we see him giving the uh, Israelites specific instructions on how they are to be protected from the death angel as he is to pass over in the 10th plague in the land of Egypt. God told the people just as he had told Noah, just exactly what they were supposed to do. They were to choose a lamb without blemish, and they were to kill the lamb and catch its blood in a basin, and they were to put the blood on both of the doorposts above the door, and they must stay inside the house on which they had placed that blood on the doorposts, and they must not break any of the lamb's bones. You see, we see God showing them exactly what he expects here, and they respond in obedience. And you know what? They were saved because of it. We see that their families were saved from the death angel's terrible judgment at the will of God. You see, my friend, it's only God who can tell us how to come to him and be accepted by him. You can't come your own way. You can't just do it yourself and have your own do-it-yourself religion. Many people today are telling us, and people that we've respected for many years have say, are saying to us today, well, my friends, we each worship God except in our own way. Well, my friend, here's the demonstration that God does not accept another way, except his way. I'm not telling you my way. I'm telling you what God has said in the record that is the most proven recording uh, uh, of all history and all the acts of men as well as God that's ever been given to mankind. Other books that are called holy books do not have the accurate recordings of human history. They haven't been proven by archaeology, and their prophecies have not come true, my friend. But in the Bible, over 5,000 prophecies have been given, most of which have already come to pass. Many of them we'll see come to pass as we continue to unfold the Scripture together daily in our Bible foundations. But the critical thing is that we understand that God knows what He's doing, and He's the one who can tell us how to approach him and it can't be done your own do-it-yourself way pharaoh tried it and it cost him his life and it cost him the ruination of the entirety of his nation of all of his plants of all of his animals and the health of his people and my friend those who pursued now will cost their lives again now we approach the mighty hand of God, continuing his miraculous deliverance of the people of Egypt, uh, Israel from the land of Egypt as they borrow at God's instruction the gold and the silver. Listen, these folk in Egypt were so happy to help these Israelites get out and worship their God. They gave them everything they had. They gave them their gold, their earrings. They gave them their jewels. They gave them everything that they might possibly need that they might possibly need in any way to worship their God whom they now recognize as being the God of the universe. Now we've got to remember again that miracles are everyday business of God. They are his character, the demonstration of his character and his omnipotence and his will to 
let us know about himself to communicate with you and I, you see, and we see that God is faithful. And we'll turn now to Exodus chapter 13 and see what happens as the people of Israel are told by Pharaoh to go, get you gone, get out of the land. And so they begin to gather themselves together and they head out. God himself had told Moses and then told the people through Moses and Aaron that he would deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. And that's precisely what we seeing, uh, see happening here as we see God providing a way for their escape. Read it with me in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see, the, see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Oh, my friend, we see the loving almighty hand of God now caring for those who believe him as they turn to God God's way, as they've Put the blood on the doorposts, and he had said, When I see the blood on, the, on your doorposts, I will pass over you. And he did, and now Pharaoh is letting the people go, and God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt just as he had promised. And he began to lead them back to the land that he had promised to their forefather Abraham. Now, a few years ago, archaeologists discovered the ruins of a line of Egyptian fortresses that guarded the road through the Philistine country. And this is a reminder to us again today that God kept his word. And what we have in the Bible is extreme accuracy of every detail of Scripture. You see, just as God tells us, this would not have been a way to go for God's people to have made their way to to make their escape to Egypt, from Egypt, you see. So they went God's way. They went a different route. And we see that God, uh, uh, God's word is confirmed by this archaeological note. Now we find the people at the north end of the Red Sea, according to the scripture. And we realize that there are people who dispute what was, what was actually the location of the people here. But that's not what's critical, my friend. What's critical is that we understand how the Bible tells us that the people of Israel were delivered, that God was in control of the elements. And we see these things happening right before our eyes as we continue on looking into the scripture. Look at verse 21 of chapter 13 with me. We're told in verse 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them in the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, and to go by day and by night. You see, God guided them in his special way at this time. Once again, it's important to remember the number of people that needed to be led, and they couldn't see Moses if he was out there in the front of the entourage. Two and a half million people, plus all of their animals, my friend, and all the goods that they were bringing out of Egypt to worship their God. You see, God is loving and merciful, and he's gracious. And God directed them where he wanted them to go by a cloud that was big enough for them to see in the daytime. And he kept that cloud before them all the time. If that hadn't been the case, they would have gotten lost. And eventually they would have died in the desert if God had not directed them, you see. But God loved them, and he took care of them, and he provided for them. 
You see, God had a plan that he's still unfolding, which is his purpose as we see it from the beginning of time. God had a plan of protecting the Israelites so that the great deliverer would be born into the world, just as God had promised. He'd promised the, that the deliverer would be the descendants of Abraham. The Lord promised that Abraham promised Abraham that one of his descendants would be the savior of the world. You see, God has delighted in communicating with man all the way along. And here we see him doing that again. And now the Lord protected Israel because he was entrusting his word that he would give to them so that they would give his word to the world. Yes, to you and I today. These very words that we're reading together from the book of Exodus were given to you and I through these Jewish people, through the Israelites, and God entrusted it to them in spite of their sinfulness, my friend. And we've seen that they deserve to die for their sin too, but God made a way of escape for those who would come his way, those who would believe him and do what he asked them to do. And that's why we see that the Israelites now are being cared for by a loving head heavenly father but make no mistake about it satan didn't quit either you see now we see that pharaoh was trying to come after the people and take them back just typical of satan who fights against god and his will you see he's a liar and he's a deceiver and he hates man and satan was uh, was guiding pharaoh as pharaoh now decides to go and reclaim the people of israel and make them his slaves uh, slaves again he was not going to give up and let the Israelites go after all. And he planned to go after them and recapture them. Now let's move on and see the account of that in Exodus chapter 14, verses 5 through 7. Here's the record. It says in verse 5, It was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let the Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. Now, folks, 600 chariots are going to move quite a bit faster than two and a half million people in all of their flocks. They were afoot, you see, and they had no way to go except the way that cloud was leading them. And that cloud was not leading them in the shortest direction. Did you ever wonder why God didn't lead you in the easiest direction, the most logical direction? Well, God often has a plan that will fulfill and glorify himself in a way that you and I can't understand. And that's what's taking place here. God has a plan of demonstrating himself to the whole world through this very incident that's about to follow. Now, read on down verses 10 through 12 in chapter 14 with me, if you will, please. And Pharaoh drew nigh, and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now that was the right thing to do, wasn't it? And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Now they're angry at Moses. They're crying out to God, and they're crying out to Moses, and they're already starting to blame him, we see here. Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of, it, out, of e out of Egypt? 
Did you ever question what God's plan in your life was? Well, that's what the Israelites are doing. We wonder why God does things a certain way. Why didn't he lead me the straight way? Why did I have to go through all this other nonsense? Why are all these troubles plaguing me? But God has a purpose and plan in our lives to demonstrate his mighty power to you and I as he will right here in this situation to the Israelites. You see, even though they'd already seen the mighty hand of God in effect in Egypt and how God delivered them from the plagues, and now God was leading them out by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud of day uh, by day. You see, even though they'd seen these great and mighty works of the Lord that had been done in Egypt, they still did not trust the Lord. Does that sound familiar to you? Oh, my friend, when I look at my own heart, I see how untrusting I am, how easy I am to question the mighty hand of God. And that's a part of our human frailty. You see, that's what reminds us that we really are truly sinners born to disbelieve God. We're born to believe the lies of Satan more readily than we believe the truth of God, you see. But God didn't turn his back on those people just as he didn't turn his back on Adam and Eve. He called out to them and now God responds to their unbelief here and gives them a foundational truth that will help them to make the next step of their journey. Verse 13 tells us, And Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Oh, my friend, that's what this book is all about, is calling us, calling to you and I in our unbelief, in our distrust of God, to understand, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He's saying you can't do it yourself, Israel. There's nothing you can do. These Egyptians are coming upon you and they're going to overtake you. And there's no point in panic for you see, I am God. And he demonstrates himself again. And he says that the Lord God shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Oh, what tremendous words of comfort we find in the word of God. For we understand that we are just like these people so unbelieving and so terrorized by really so little compared to the hand of God, and we distrust him so easy. You see, we're no different from the Israelites. We disbelieve so quickly, and oh, my friend, he just simply wants us to take his word and trust only in him. Now, Satan doesn't want us to believe. We may may live and, and work with people that are telling us not to believe that don't believe themselves. But are we willing to believe God? That's the real question. Never forget that Satan sometimes talks to us and and influences us through the people that are close to us who are unbelieving. That's the real criteria, you see. Do you believe or disbelieve? In order to come to God, you must believe. And he's the rewarder of those who do believe him. Why are we so unbelieving? Well, my friend, man is a sinner. And he needs God because he's helpless to save himself. You see, God is loving and merciful and gracious. And even though the Israelites sinned and didn't trust the Lord, he was merciful to them. He made a way of, he he planned to make a way of escape for them. He planned to deliver them. You see, they just couldn't help themselves. The sea was in front of them now, and there were mountains on both sides of them, and their enemies were behind them. 
Do you understand, my friend, that only God could save them? Here again, we see the character of God, His protective power, His loving kindness, His giving what is needed, not what is deserved. You see, when God put Adam and Eve out of the garden, away from Him, there was no turning back to the garden. And they could not make themselves right between themselves and God. You see, they couldn't make themselves acceptable to God. Only God could provide a way so that they could be accepted by Him again. You see, it was God who provided the way for Abel to be accepted by God. Only God could save Noah and his family from the flood. And when Isaac was bound and placed on the altar and his father had the knife raised above him, only God could save him, my friend. The parents of the firstborn children of Israel could not save themselves, nor could they save their oldest children from the death angel that was promised that would pass over unless they came to God God's way, unless God chose a way to provide for them that they could be saved. And that's just what he did, you see. And likewise, Israel could not escape from the Egyptians unless God now, in this moment of terror, made a way for them. Now, folks, it's the same way with us. We cannot make a way of escape from the wrath of God on our own. We cannot make things right between us and God by the things that we do. Only God can save us from everlasting punishment. Oh, my friend, watch now as God reveals his way to these unbelieving sinful people who are filled with terror and says, as they even dare to call on him. Read verses 15 and 16. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward, but lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And my friend, that's exactly what they did. God himself made a way for them to go across on dry ground. And oh, do you see their terror as they call on God and he answers here now? Go forward. Go forward, you say? But there's water out there and there's mountains on the side of us and these Egyptians are behind us. How can we go forward? There's water there. And God tells Moses to lift up his rod and that they will go across on dry ground. Oh, my friend, we see the demonstration of God's almighty power here once again. God created the sea, and he has complete control over it once still. Water is no problem to God. You remember that in the beginning, the whole earth was covered with water. Remember how the Lord caused the water to move back so that there was dry ground, and the Lord who in the beginning caused the water to move back, has not changed. He commanded the sea to move so that his people could walk across on dry ground to the other side. God could do this, you see, for he still has control over the whole earth. It wasn't difficult for God to open up the sea so the Israelites could walk to the other side because he's almighty. Nothing is too hard for him, you see. Now let's move on, verses 19 through 22. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, that is the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to these, the Israelites, so that no one came near to the other all night long. 
Once again, we see God dividing light and darkness. We see the people of the, the Egyptians being in total darkness. But this cloud now becomes a pillar, a, a cloud of light to the Egyptians. And I mean to the Israelites. And we see God demonstrating his almighty power once again. Oh, my friend, God is God. There's none like him. And Moses stretched out his hand, verse 21, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea land dry, uh, made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and the left. Friend, do you know how to stack up water? Can you make water pile up like that? Can you make in a night with the strongest of winds, the ground that's been underwater for so long, absolutely dry? Oh, my friend, God is God. And here we see him demonstrating his mighty power to the Israelites and to the Egyptians and to us. The Lord had promised Abraham that he would not forsake his people. And here we see God leaving, leading them safely out of Egypt into the land that he had promised Abraham. God was faithful to them, you see. He never changes. He always keeps his word. And now we see him keeping his word to the Israelites as Moses raises his rod and that sea parts and the waters pile up on the right hand on the left and the people go right across the middle of the, the sea on dry ground. Well, we see that the Lord led the Israelites into that path which he had made for them right through the sea. And the Lord moved the cloud that was leading the Israelites and placed it between them and the Egyptians. Behind the Israelites, the cloud was bright and shining like the sun. And it gave light to the Israelites so they could see where they were going. And we see that it was quite the opposite with the Egyptians. You see, but before the Egyptians, it was totally dark. It was a black cloud, my friend. There was only darkness in front of them, giving the time that the people needed, two and a half million of them, to go across that sea in the light that God had provided them in ever so special a way. Now let's move on to verses 23 to 25. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked upon the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. Oh, my friend, God is supreme and sovereign. He knows how to handle whatever their situations are. And we see that God did not now deal favorably with these Egyptians. You see, God is holy. He's righteous. He's pure. And he's sinless, my friend. And he demands death as the payment for sin. Once again, we see that the penalty for disbelieving God is death. Now let's read on about how God accomplishes that in verses 26 through 29. And the Lord said unto Moses, now that they're on the other side, stretch out their hand, thy hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians and upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. 
The consequence of the unbelief of the Egyptians is carried out by the hand of God again. You see, he is the avenger of all evil. And these people had been not been willing to believe God. And they chose rather to make the people of God their slaves again if God had allowed it. You see, the Egyptians were now drowned in the sea by God. We're reminded so often of I by people who ask us, why does God allow evil things to happen in the world? Well, remember that that's the wrong question. The question is, why do not people obey God? Why is it that men refuse to obey God? You see, God is just. And one of the sureties of his unchanging personality is that he keeps his word. And he says the soul that sins shall die. And he says that the payment for sin is death. And here we see that being carried out in the lives of the Egyptians. Verse 30 tells us now, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and the Lord saw the Egyptian, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. The Lord had protected all of the Israelites, you see. Not one of them was drowned, and the Egyptians did not catch up to any of them. The Lord saved them because of his love for them, you see, because he had promised to save them. He kept his word, and God keeps his word. But we see the demonstration again that if they had not gone across that sea as it parted, they would not have been saved. You see, the Lord expects that people who hear his word have faith in him in order to please him and be saved. And that's why he saved the Israelites. Oh, my friend, what a great testimony of God's faithfulness to you and I. We can believe him because of his record, and we can place our faith and trust in him and believe the Bible because God gave it to us as a record that's unchanging of his faithfulness forever.